Welcome back to the You Know Ball podcast. I am your host, Trill Bro Dude, and today I am very excited to have back onto the podcast for something that everyone has been waiting for for a while. I feel like people look forward to this podcast when the Sixers season is over. As someone said to me, it's it's like medicine for uh, the coping that we are all going through uh, for uh, our another sad ending to our season. But I have Marty Teller back on the podcast, who is now dog pilled. Marty, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I always like look forward to this, but also don't look forward to this, if that, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. It's it's really bittersweet because I was hoping it was a little bit later this year, maybe yeah. after the Eastern Conference Finals, maybe, I don't know, maybe even it gets pushed to seven or whatever it is. Like, I, it is disappointing, but I think that, like, as I said on the last episode, I feel like I've kind of coped, grieved, came to like whatever I was feeling I'm fine with now. I've kind of just rationalized it in my own brain. Joel Embiid got hurt. James Harden will be better next season. All that stuff. I, I just tell myself what I need to tell myself to feel you're, better. You're not, you're not wrong. I mean, I think the Joel thing, I, I think in our brains, we're just so used to him playing hurt that, you know, he was literally playing with a broken thumb and a broken face. And I think when you, when you just think about it in like that context, it's like, man, like it's not totally shocking. We weren't able to, you know, put things together, especially going down 2-0. You just have no margin for error. Exactly. That's what I talked about after we went down 2-0. Like, and even when we won game three, I was like, you got to be perfect. You can yep. have, you can have one slip up and you cannot, and, and it's hard to recover once you have one slip up. Like, and that's one of the things that, that everyone's talked about with the mental toughness and all of that. And like, some of it is a little bit of rhetoric and some of it is a little bit of truth. Like, I think that some of it has just narrative based things and like, if the Sixers were much more talented and had a much better roster, which we will discuss today that we <laughs> hope goes into next season, right. then I don't think the mental toughness element would come into it. Miami was built better from one through 15, to be honest. And the only advantage the Sixers really had in that series was they had the best player in Joel Embiid. He was not healthy. And this is what happened. So I think that I give Miami all the credit for the way that they've built their team and everything that has happened. And before we get into the Jimmy Butler stuff, which we will talk about, I just want to say I've I talk to a lot of fans on Twitter of different groups of fans and stuff. <laughs> I've seen I've seen the combos, yes. Oh yeah, yeah. And I talk to people who I'm cool with, who people there are people that don't like me. I have haters now. It's great. We love it. No, but, but you, know, you know what, Joe? I'll tell you like what I really like about this podcast is like you have people on. You're, you're like doing the thing that like needs to be done in like politics where you kind of have people from like different <laughs> Twitter, like some people I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like one of my favorite people. And then there's other people I'm like, I don't usually agree with that person, but it's like, you're having everyone. So you kind of get like this nice, like 
global like macro look at the Sixers. So I appreciate that. I think it's it's good. I think it's good the way you're doing. Like you've you've definitely found your niche. Yeah, I'm I'm trail trail bro dude, the centerist. That's what I'm known for. The centrist. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I was gonna say was, you know, I've talked to a lot of people on Twitter and, and Matt Magic, formerly known as Magic Vagberg, is one of my favorite uh accounts on Twitter. Very, very funny Magic fan. And he tweeted the other day something so perfect for this podcast. And this was before they got the number one overall pick. And it was the team with Joel Embiid and James Harden's fans are sadder than the Orlando Magic fans right now. Because, and it's honestly kind of similar to like my buddies that host the uh, Saturday Slam and Jam podcast. Like, like, they had the party last night, the lottery party, and they're going crazy because they got the number two pick. This was us years ago. Yeah. And now we're in the position where all the pressure is on us. The reality of the situation has caught up with us. And it's made a lot of people miserable, but I'm trying to stay positive through it. Well, you, you know what it is, and I hate to say it. I, I kind of came up with this analogy today. Like, we're sort of in, like, a bad marriage that, you know, it's it's, you know – and we have this beautiful kid, it's Joel, right? And we're kind of sticking, we're kind of sticking it out, you know, till, till he goes to college or retires or whatever the analogy is. And it's like, you know, we like, we let the fans be the pretty girl and the Sixers are like kind of that guy that like didn't have their shit together. And the girl's like kind of sticking with them and like, you know, he keeps messing up and they kind of gets it together and they have this great kid. And then they just sort of realize they're like, this is toxic, but like, yeah, we got to stay together for the kid. And that's kind of how I feel like we are right now. It's like, we probably <laughs> would be better, like all taking a little break, but we kind of can't. We got to, we got to get love this. It. It's, it's a very Ryan Rosillo analogy. I appreciate that. <laughs> he's, he's real. He's, you know, he's good with it. Into the conversation. There's been a lot of stuff that has been relitigated as always when a team loses. Always. I just want to put it in perspective, like 29 teams lose and one team wins. It doesn't mean we have to relitigate everything that went wrong with that villains. We have to accept that role. We got James Harden. We have Daryl Morey, who's not well liked. We have Joel Embiid, who's always been somewhat of a of a polarizing player. And now all of this stuff is coming up about Jimmy Butler, which you know Jimmy's been amazing in the playoffs. Arguably the best player. I would say probably the best two way player in the playoffs. I would probably say Luka Doncic has been the best player overall because he's been completely unstoppable basically every game for the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. But Jimmy, you know, obviously has this great series against the Sixers. He's the best player in the series with a hobbled Joel and. Now there's been this relitigation of kind of what happened with Jimmy Butler. So I know that you have some thoughts on this mm -hmm. and I do too. And like, I got to give it to Jimmy. Like he's completely owned me. I was kind of after last year in the playoffs, I was like, I, I think the bubble was a fluke. I don't really feel like Jimmy's been, always been good in the playoffs. He's never been the number one guy outside of the bubble. Like I was skeptical and he's proving me wrong. He's owning me right now. But kind of what did you want to get off your chest regarding everything with Sixers fans? Because it's every time he has a good game, the entire feed is just filled with, oh, how did we get rid of this guy? And even Joel himself brought it up. Well, one thing one thing we should remember is what we were saying about Jimmy that year are some of the same things we're saying about Harden now. So, like, yeah. there was a lot of, like and, – and I don't think our eyes were lying. And I think maybe he was dogging it a little bit. But we were like, you know, he's got all those Thibs minutes on it and, like, um, you know, we're not sure how's he going to age. He's starting to move a little slower. And it was very similar, like from like in terms of athleticism. And we were all concerned five year max. What are you going to do years 33 and 34? And he was, I think, 29 at the time, if I'm not mistaken. But 
just going back, first off, one thing, that was an amazing trade that Brand did. They got him for Dario and Covington yeah. and no pets. So Crazy. as maligned as, as Brand has been, and, and rightfully so for a lot of things, that trade, like Daryl would tell you, that was like an A plus, like a, an absolute steal. Like a robbery, robbery steal. Um, going back, like they they wanted – at one point they, they did want Jimmy to stay, and they talked to him about it. And he based – like it was very clear that the organization was going to have to make a decision between Ben and Jimmy. Ben was 22 at the time. There was no Hawk series at that point. Like it isn't crazy. And as much as I, I am – I like Jimmy. Like I'm, I was probably a Jimmy guy. I consider myself a Jimmy guy. I'm not a huge Ben guy, but at the time you're looking at one guy who wasn't even into his max first max contract yet. And another guy who was staring down a potential five-year super max one was 29. I think Ben was 22 or 23. So again, that in, in itself, like in a vacuum was not crazy. If you had to pick one over the other um, picking Ben. And then like, really the third thing is we two months ago, Jimmy tried to fight his coach. Like (laughs) let's not get it twisted that, you know, if Jimmy had just stayed, like everything would be honkadori. Like they would have had to, and, and I don't know that this, honestly, this organization is set up internally like strong enough to withstand a force like Jimmy Butler. I don't like, and I'm not saying that like absolves them from not trying to keep him, but I, I just don't like everyone's just like, well, if we would have just kept Jimmy Butler. I, yeah. I mean, if he was playing like he was is now, but first off, I think he was a little bit juiced up for our series. He's obviously gotten himself back into like tremendous shape. And he did like, he was a pain in the ass. Like he, what do you know? Like 10 games one time without shooting a three. Like he was doing all. Like, he, didn't, <laughs> he didn't shoot a three for like a, over a month. I remember at one point. So, you know, again, so history does repeat itself. So I think that's one of the things that I keep thinking about. I know we're going to talk about Harden is I'm trying as much as, you know, our eyes tell us a story the numbers sort of tell you a different story. That's kind of the eye test versus numbers. I am trying to be careful of being like, I don't want to put too much stock in these 40 games we saw of James Harden, similar to Butler, where we're all kind of like, I don't know, maybe we should just get out of this now. We don't want to lock ourselves in where it's like, it's very reasonable to think that Harden could come back, even if from an athletic standpoint, he doesn't like get a hundred percent back, but there are things I think he can do within his game. Like, I was looking at some of the mid-range stuff he used to have five, six years ago before he got really Daryl-pilled in Houston. Yeah. I don't think it's, like, insane that he can, like, get that back to, like, a very – maybe not, like, great CP3 level, but certainly above average and add that to his game and just be able to do a little bit more and not be so dependent on the grifting all the time. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I I do think that, you know, Harden was never a great mid-range shooter, but he had the floater game. He tried yeah. to incorporate some of that into his game when he was doing jump stops at the in in the uh playoffs and he was trying to incorporate some of that. The, to me the major difference between like going back to the Jimmy thing, like the major difference is that when we got to the playoffs that year, we and Harden really only had like two or three games in this playoffs where we were like, okay, this can work. And it's yeah, not just maybe like, maybe two. Yeah, maybe two. Yeah, well, okay. So so let's put it in perspective. He had a few games where we were like, this can definitely work if yeah. Maxi and Tobias and Joel, like everyone's 100 percent Harden is functioning as essentially what we always wanted Ben to be offensively, and that can work. Now, when you're talking about getting to the later rounds of the playoffs, which is something that we were all concerned with. 
is that going to translate? And James Harden does not have a history of getting better in the playoffs. He has a history of getting a little bit worse in the playoffs. Yeah. Like most guys do. Jimmy is probably one of the few guys where he's actually better statistically in the playoffs since he made his leap. If you take out that Buck series from last year, his numbers are pretty good overall. Like, I mean, like on his career, he's fine. Like, yeah. I mean, he was a role player earlier in his career, you know, all that stuff. But my point on this is that Jimmy at least showed moments and flashes where you could see that. But once again, the Ben thing was very real. And that's why I thought it was unfair that he called out Tobias. It didn't make any sense. And that was, that was like a perfect example of Jimmy just like fucking with people. And I think he loves, like he definitely like gets off on that. Just like he's a liar. He just lies about things whenever it's convenient for him. And and I think, I think your own even like tweeted. It was like, it really wasn't, it wasn't Tobias at all. And and anyone and whatever, I've been a Tobias defender. Like it's, it's kind of moot at this point, but like, it was really Horford. I mean, that was like they took the money and we spent it on out. Tobias, they had cheap bird rights on comparatively to what they signed him to. Well, the people idea- forget people forget that we had multiple max slots that summer. Correct. Because we had we had Jimmy's bird rights. We had Tobias's bird rights. We could go over the cap to keep those guys if we wanted to. That's what we ended up doing, and then we ended up using the room exception on exactly. Mike Scott to fill up the rest of the cap and. You know, it once again we we chose Ben and Horford, and the Horford plan was because they wanted to try to keep Joel fresh. They wanted right. to try to have a, you know maybe they you know, maybe they kind of looked at it like what Boston does now, running with the two bigs. Well, the difference and look what Horford looks like now to what he looked like three years ago. Like what it is frustrating. Like, like what blood transfusion like in Germany? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's but, frustrating, but also that that season was weird. The COVID yeah. stuff was weird. And I also just want to preface it with the fact that Boston has two perimeter creators that are massively better than whatever the Sixers had on that roster. And because of that, it makes Horford's offensive role a little bit simpler. He can move, be moved, used kind of as a connector piece. He's not, they're not asking him to shoot a ton of threes and, and, sh- shot create like he did when he was with the Sixers and then defensively that's the part where you're like well this really sucks but like Robert Williams is more of a roamer on the back line and you and Horford being able to defend in space makes that much easier than Joel who's more of a traditional rim protector and paint protector so it's one of those things where it's frustrating now to see like all of these guys succeeding in the playoffs (laughs) You know, speaking of, you know, obviously Horford has his own situation going on now. I hope that he's fine. But, like, I think that, like, I I do think it's really frustrating. But I also just want to say that, like, the Sixers have had so many opportunities. And letting Jimmy walk will probably be the one if they never win a title that everyone will point to. But, like, we had all the opportunities in the world to get a second superstar with Mm -hmm. Joel. We had all the opportunities in the world to move on from Ben or, or try to, I mean, like the, the historical bad luck on the Sixers side between Zaire Smith, Fultz, Simmons, all that stuff. It's like outlier shit. And, yeah. you know, we can relitigate all this stuff and it's frustrating because he was on the team, but ultimately like they still have a window. They still have a shot. And I don't think that like, if the heat win the finals, I'm going to call it a Mickey mouse title, obviously because of all the injuries. <laughs> <laughs> and the COVID stuff, but like if they do win the finals, like I don't necessarily think 
that, um, you know, I think that we're going to look back and be like, fuck, like this absolutely sucks. But as you said, it doesn't mean that it would be a perfect world here because of Jimmy's track record. And like, honestly, kind of what you brought up is like, like Riley and Spolstra being there so long and having this like quote unquote culture and being like, look, this is how it's going to be. Like, you're going to be the leader, but like, we're going to hold you in check. And like, he, and like, we didn't have any of that. So like, <laughs> you had Brett, and, and, and I love that. You had Brett running around, like, we're going to lose our jobs. Like, you <laughs> yeah. know, the, the thing that really set me off this is like the last thing I need to say about it. it was like, somebody posted a picture of after he made one of those game winners where we like, I, we beat like the horn, some terrible team that we shouldn't even, it shouldn't even be a game. Yeah. And uh, they were like, the vibes were so good. No, they weren't. The vibes were, it wasn't <laughs> like bubble year, but the vibes were not good that year. Like I distinctly remember like being like, man, what the fuck is wrong with it this? Was like, yeah. It was, it was bad. bad. So, I mean, there's a slide bring up the point that we almost traded Jimmy at the deadline. That there were talks about like moving him at the deadline because it was so bad. I right. feel like people do forget that, but yeah. And and there's listen, there's definitely a sliding doors version where it's like Jimmy, they, they're like, all right, Jimmy, we're gonna let Brett go. We trade Ben for picks because at the time he didn't have a big contract, so you're not gonna get a big contract back, but you could have gotten picks at that point. And like, let's just assume they signed Tobias because they probably would have done that anyway. So it would have been Embiid, Jimmy, Tobias, and then picks. You don't know, but I just don't think it's like this foregone conclusion that you know things would have just worked out here. I just, I just don't think. Yeah, having two top twelve players though would be. Kind yeah. of, I mean, like that's where I would. I mean, like that's kind of like this is what Maury has always dreamed of, and that's, well, and that's, that's why if, it's frustrating. If, right, and if Maury had been here at that point, he would have been like, he would have been like, bye, Brett. Like, see you. Like, yeah. whatever it takes to make Jimmy happy. And because it would have made Embiid happy. And that's yeah. the thing here. And that's what I really wonder about this summer. Jo- Joel, and, and I forget who, I think it was in like True Hoop. It was a little interesting. Like they were, uh, did you read that article? It was like at the no. end of the season. Oh, was, with the body language? with The body language thing. Yeah. I thought it was a little weird because they definitely were reading into it a lot. But I, I think some of it was valid. I think it was more just like, if you're Joel, you finally go into this playoffs healthy relative health like whatever healthy is at the end of a season for a normal player you get over the raptors like kind of disappointment from a few years ago you hit this game winner and it's like oh yeah but i broke my thumb and then and then the last couple minutes and i know like people are mad doc left them in whatever you break your face so it's like you're going into the second round and it was supposed to be like okay we, we conquered the raps and i heard um Mike from uh, Rights to Ricky today was like talking about like the teams that we've beat over the past four years. It's like, it's not really that impressive. Like, no, it's kind play. of pathetic if you think about it. And, like, I mean, and, right. And so this was sort of like, okay. And like, if Joel's healthy and we beat the Heat, that's what I wanted to see this year. This was like, let's get to the Eastern Conference finals. We'll probably lose to the Bucs. We'll probably lose to the Celtics. It'll suck. Mm-hmm. But, but to your point, I'd be like, okay, we're over that hump. We got over yeah. another hump. And now it's like, we're that close and the team tasted it and now they're going to be hungrier. Now it's like, we're back in the, like where we've been for the past four years. Yep. That's the frustrating part about it. What's going on guys. I am very excited to announce that Philly sports trips is now the official travel partner of the, you know, ball podcast. The biggest reason why I've partnered with Philly sports trips is really simple. I give them my money, I have a mini vacation that involves the Sixers, Eagles, and Phillies, and I don't have to lift a finger to plan anything. I can party as light as I want or as hard as I want, and Philly Sports Trips takes care of everything that I hate. 
the planning, the organizing, researching where to go. And I get a five-star hotel, non-crazy flight schedules, and tailgates that have unbelievable food and booze. And most importantly, it's a douchebag-free zone. These are just some of the many reasons that I am excited to partner with Philly Sports Trip. I can't wait to go on a Sixers trip next season, and Uniball is absolutely going on the road to at least one Eagles game. So let me know which Eagles game you would want to go to, and I would love to do a huge Uniball road trip. Out of all the cities, I'm thinking New York or Chicago, but I want to know what you guys think as well. So tweet at me, at TrailBroDude, DM me, comment on the YouTube, and let me know which Eagles game you guys think we should go as a group this season. Phillies and Eagles trips are booking right now. So head over to phillysportstrips.com and let them know that you know ball sent you for two very important reasons. Not only does it help fund the podcast, but we'll have VIP events and goodies specifically just for you know ball listeners. phillysportstrips.com, premium travel for every Philly sports fan and a proud sponsor of the you know ball podcast. The one thing I will say is the fact that like, I think that Maury will do whatever Joel wants to do. Like, I think that yeah. he said, I think he said tough guys. He wants tough guys. Maury's going to get some tough guys. Like, like, I think that he, I mean, if you look at his history since he got here, Horford and and Embiid did not mesh on the yeah. court, off the court, whatever that was. Horford was gone immediately. He needed more shooting. He went out and got Seth Curry, Danny Green, you know. Mm-hmm. He basically went to Joel and said, you know, this is how we're going to reshape the team. This is my idea. Joel signed off on it. A year later, you know, the Ben thing happens. He's obviously not happy with Ben. Okay, I'm going to explore Ben trades. I'm going to do that. I'm going to hold on to Ben through the deadline to make sure that we're getting the best guy back possible. Now, the one part where maybe he's in so we don't really know if that would have ever happened and if it even is a possibility still that the Sixers can get Bradley Beal. Let me ask you this though so this is something that I've been wondering Ben wasn't playing right I mean Ben wasn't contributing to the team if Bradley's if Beal's the guy that Embiid wanted to play with why not still just make the trade why not still just make the trade know know that you're gonna you know you're kind of punting on this year but you have the guy and it's like, hey, listen. Because Harden became available. That's the only reason I can think otherwise is that he went to him and said, look, we have a shot. Like the East is wide open this year. That's, that's my question. So do you think it was basically like, hey, we can wait. We can get Beal, but, you know, you're not going to have him this year. Or I can go get James right now and, and like, hey, I think maybe I can get Beal down the road. Like do you sure. think that's how – okay. I do think that's what happened because I think that – I think the Bradley, like all the stuff that Windhorse, like my long shot stuff that people got mad at me for suggesting, like, by the way, I said, I don't want to trade Maxi. I have a Maxi better sadly mug that I'm (laughs) drinking out of. Like, I don't want to trade this guy because of the value that he brings in the locker room, because I just love him. Like, I don't want to get rid of, I don't. And I literally compared it to Jimmy the other day because, and and keep in mind, Maxie's a much better person (laughs) than Jimmy Butler, but like Jimmy Butler's an amazing player. But I was like, you don't get rid of great players that work hard. And I think Maxie is a great player who works great young players who work hard. Exactly. I I think it would be, um, I, I, I don't, I know what Windhorse said, I don't think they would include Maxi in a, in a deal. I just and I'm not sure. Are you sure it's definitely Beal? Because the guy I'm wondering about is if it's Levine. And here's why I think it could be Levine. Number one, Beal's like going to be due for that 10 year um, extension, which I think sure. starts at like 42 million. 10 year extension? 
Oh, okay. Because I'm sorry. Said, I no, no, he's at his ten. Yeah, he's at his year year mark. Extension, but at his ten years. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but Levine is still in that seven to nine range, and right. if I'm not mistaken, I don't, I don't think, unless I'm, unless I'm wrong, they didn't announce All NBA this year yet, did they? No. And he's, he's not on like he's not making it. So no. he'll have sort of like that normal max that sure. I think is a much easier number to get to. And he's a legitimate free agent. Like he can he, – does he have a player option? Uh, he's a free agent. He's, he's a free a, agent. Yeah. So so this is where and, – and I know for a fact Eversley's like a pretty big fan of Tobias. I think he was a, a big proponent of, of making that trade. Is that one of those things where it's like, well, here's the deal, Chicago. Like we actually can carve out enough space because the, the Tobias thing to me, there's like one deal that makes sense, and it's with OKC. And the argument would be Presti's similar to Hinkie in the sense that I think he understands you have to keep all lanes open. So that's that's draft, that's trade, that's free agency. After July 1st this year, they lose their cap space because of SGA's extension and all that stuff. Tobias has two years left. So what that does is that gives them a big contract that they could match in a trade for two years. And if nothing materializes, they're going to get positive on-court contribution from Tobias. Like I, I sure. think I do. I you, you were talking about them possibly tanking for another year. I, I have a feeling the NBA was like, "You're done. Like that. We're done with that here. Like you've, it's you've like you, yeah." <laughs> so, so it wouldn't surprise me if like, you know, they own that 2025 pick that's got kind of like light protection, but I think it's one through six. I could see something where it's like they take Tobias. We drop it to like one through three or something, one through four, and they give us like Ken, you know, Kenny Hustleback, like Kenrich Williams, who like, yeah. you know, maybe can play the four if you get some of these other things. Open up that like kind of like big enough space that you could take Tobias in, or I'm sorry, take Levine in, or like you know, get uh, Harden to drop his number down. We can talk about his extension. I just think Levine's number is like a little bit more realistic. If if Beal's looking for that true. Supermax. I just don't. I don't know how the Sixers get there. Yeah, I mean, it's a very good point. I mean, I do think that Levine is or Beal is on like about to make a ton of fucking money. Like when I say big, biggest contract in NBA history, like I don't even think I'm exaggerating. I think other than maybe Steph Curry, I think he's going to have the biggest it's, contract in it's NBA circ- history. Yeah, it's circumstantial because he's at that ten year mark and um and just kind of where he is like with the extensions he signed. I think it overall number. I think it'll be like the second highest. It's crazy. And like, I love Bradley Beal in theory, but also in reality, like you're kind of like, I'm not going to compare it to the Tobias situation because I think Beal provides much more on-court value as a player. He's an all-star-ish level player when healthy and, and locked in and all that stuff. But at the same time, like, are you doing this to appease Joel Embiid? Are you doing that kind of trade I guess that's more free agency. Like, so you're telling me you don't think they could open up enough cap space to to get to the Beal number to like, get to unless- the, to get to the five year like max max like Beal not taking any sort of discount. Well, they would have to be four year if we got him as a free agent. You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but because of the starting number, I think it starts at forty two. I'm pretty sure that's the right number. Yeah. Um, they would literally have to gut like when I say gut like not only would they have to get rid of Tobias. Harden would have to take a massive pay cut. They'd also have to like just trade away Thibel and Korkmaz like for right. nothing, like not yeah, take anything hard. back. Yeah. So now you'd be looking at, um, Matt, you know, our big four, you know, one center and three guards, and um, 
literally just what's on what would be left on the roster plus minimums, and, and yeah. I guess a room and a room exception. So it would be really tough. It, Levine's number would be way more realistic. And again, that's where you could get into like you know Chicago. Do you want Tobias? Like you could get you know take Tobias for two years. You know maybe you give him some pick swaps, or you're gonna or we'll just sign Levine. We'll 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 right. get to the number and we'll get him. He's yeah. a, and that also pressures Chicago to if if Levine and like think about it like this Brian who is Brian Windhorst plugged in with we know who Brian Windhorst is plugged in with right clutch like yeah. he is the LeBron guy yeah. who represents Zach Levine clutch yeah clutch he just signed a clutch so is clutch trying to get that fifth year into Chicago trying to negotiate down like there could be a level that Chicago's like look. We'll give you four years with the team option on the fifth year. And Clutch is trying to go all in and say, no, you you already had him on a discount contract. He's in his prime. He's stuck here through all the bullshit. And he's been your best player after you stupidly got rid of Jimmy Butler. Do you really want to get rid of another guy and potentially get back nothing? Because it seems like that's been kind of like the things that have been floated out there, like Portland threatening the he's friends with DeJounte Murray because they're both from the Pacific Northwest. Like and he's a, he's, a hand, he's a handling guy too, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Him, Beal, Tatum, uh, yeah. and Embiid. So I just I think from a fit perspective, and I love Beal. I, I wanted Beal over Harden to be honest with you for just a lot of the factors that you know age and kind of what we've seen with Harden. But Levine's a, a volume three point shooter on the wing. I mean, he's not defensively. He's not what you would want. But I think like in terms of a, you know if you're looking for a Danny Green like offensive replacement that has like way more offensive juice. I mean that's that's Levine. Um, so you know, I think really wing maxi in terms of three point shooting and finishing and all that stuff, but he's but he's better, right? So, um, I I think that could be an angle. I I think Beal makes sense just because of the like smoke we heard before, and there's been like decent reports. You know, Simmons had it, and a couple other people kind of you know have alluded to it. Um, Daryl would be like a terrible salesperson because like he's like the king of like over promising and like under delivering. It's like you know, like, do you want, I heard you, what you were saying with Zoe, like you, you'll become like a Lakers fan and just be like totally on board. I mean, <laughs> if you were, if Daryl like was like Trill, I've been listening to the podcast. Like, I know, you know, your shit. Like I can, I can, we can go one of two ways. Like I can go and do, you know, I can get this team down low enough where we can use the full MLA. I can use the, um, the BAE, you know what I mean? Like we, we can add like two or three people. I can move Matisse for something. I can put like Matisse, I can get some really good role players, like the dogs that I, that everyone thinks we need, or I can go get Bradley Beal, but we're going to kind of have to gut everything. What would you tell him to do? Okay. So this has been the thing that I've been going over in my brain. Cause one of the things that I talked about was we need to be, build a bigger, better team so that we can rest Joel Embiid and James Harden throughout the season. Now, what would be the best way to do that? Would you build with depth and just hope that Maxi takes a leap? Would you build with getting another star to give those guys more rest? And then that star can rest when like have off nights and all that stuff. I mean, I think, okay, so the Levine thing changes everything for me. Cause if it were, if, if it were up to me and, and Levine were an option, and by the way, this is all a long shot. Beal, yeah, it's all, conjecture. all this shit is just like, yeah. we're just throwing this out there. Like I'm sure if Bulls fans and Wizards fans listen to this, they'd be throwing well, up right now. Well, you know, it's all a long shot until like, we've always said this until Zach Levine says, I want to go to Philly. Right. Then it's not a long shot. Yeah. Then it's like, or I want to go to X, th- right. these two teams. Or right. Then, it, then it becomes like 80 to 90% like certain. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah. It's that like, probably yeah. works. Yeah. But, I, I I do think that like Levine and I maybe it's just because I've 
I've long been a Zach Levine. You were the original Zach Levine guy back in like 2019. Ugh. But ever since 2020, like I feel like I've kind of like had my eye on Zach Levine. And I feel as though like he would kind of exacerbate a lot of our defensive problems because he's just not a great defender. Yeah. And, you know, he at least has the size and the athleticism that he's not going to get fucking roasted. But he, he he's not a fantastic defender and he would definitely exacerbate some of those problems. But like... If you are able to keep Tyrese Maxey in this situation and you get Zach Levine as your starting small forward, who the fuck is going to be able to stop that offense of shooting, finishing, driving, everything, playmaking from Harden? Like, I think that that would be a truly unstoppable force offensively, and I might roll with that. But if you're giving me the option, I honestly think that they would be better off trying to do the, the depth with role players thing. Cause I just think that like, and, and yes, maybe some of this is the fact that like Harden wasn't himself. And maybe some of this is the fact that like, we just didn't have the right guys and doc wasn't willing to develop people and all of this stuff, all of this shit. Maybe that's true. But like my buddy, Rob Flom, who I'll talk about later, like Rob was like, the reason why the bucks and the Sixers lost this year was because they had no depth. Like, oh my gosh! You look. That's why, I like, I I was praying we would play the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. So I was like, I think we actually would have a shot. Like, you looked besides, well, especially when Middleton went down. You looked at yeah. like it was Drew and Giannis, and the fact like you can see that they have championship pedigree. Like that one game yeah. where they came back and like won. I think it was Game Five, maybe Game Six. It was like unbelievable. And you're like, they're doing this with literally Drew Giannis, who's I mean. I, th- I think probably the best player in the NBA currently. Forget about MVP stuff, but just overall impact on a game and literally nobody else. I mean, it was like Wes Matthews, Pat Connaughton. It's like, <laughs> you know, I, like some of our guys are like better than, or at least as good as, as those role players. So. As, I would say some are better than Grayson Allen and whatever this version of George well, Hill and Wes and, Matthews. And as soon as Danny went down, that was like the nail in the coffin. And just like last year where it's like, holy shit, man, we are so dependent on Danny Green for so many reasons that it's like depressing. And I'm, I'm with you. I think that, um, and this kind of dovetails into like the Harden extension because getting that type of depth, depth, starts with him agreeing to opt out and extending at a lower number. And I've been really thinking about this and kind of playing around and there's a bunch of factors, but what's the number you kind of have in your head? Like what's the deal? Cause you agree, right? He, like they need him to opt out him, him opting in actually, I think would be disaster. <laughs> yeah. Horrible. And if he does, and if he does, I mean, honestly, that to me, that, that tells a bigger problem because I yeah. think that both, I don't think they're on the same page if he opts in. Like that, I agree. That, that would be that would set off alarm bells for me. I, I totally agree, and I think it would be like, holy shit! Like this is going to be an awful year because he's not going to want to be here because we didn't yep. pony up, and we're just like, yeah, we don't want to commit to you long term. So, so they've basically what they have to do. The Sixers to say, hey, we need you to give up. What's what's the amount? Eight million, ten million, twelve million this season, and we're going to give you. Is it two more years at? you know, 40 a piece. Like I, I, the number I have in my head is three years, 120. Okay. So it would be Which, 40 a year, 40 like, a year straight across version of James Harden. If this is James Harden is he, this version of James Harden is a $25 million a year player. Like, let's be honest. Like he's, He's basically a souped up version of Ricky Rubio, which is what I've been saying. Like, you know, he's kind of, he doesn't really have like anything that he consistently can go to offensively as scoring punch. 
Um, you know, he has games where he can hit the step back three and it'll look great. And then he has, you know, games where he's mostly just a distributor defensively, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be a target and they're going to try to wear him out and all that stuff. Yeah. But he's a 25 to $30 million a year player. And it's whatever. I think that, and I brought up the Chris Paul deal, which you talked about a little bit with me earlier. And I think that if you can get something in that 30 to $35 million range, where you can come to him and say, look, we'll extend you here. If you prove we can give you on the third year, we can give you an opt-out. If you prove that you are worth it, then we'll extend you again on the same number in a few years. And like no one out there is giving James Harden $40 million a year except for the Philadelphia 76ers. So and the only reason why you would do it 100% is to keep him happy. And at that point, it's like, who are we really trying to keep happy here? Joel Embiid or James Harden? And, and the other thing, so to that point, I think where there's some opportunity and people are going to be like, are you serious? Four years. So 2025 is when the new NBA TV deal kicks in. Yeah. So there's a possibility like any contract signed now that goes into that time frame could be like kind of like found money, like it, it kind of like wouldn't matter. So to your point, maybe what they could do is bring that down to 30 million a year. But then in year four, make it partially guaranteed where it's yeah. like, Hey, we'll make you whole on the 120. If like one, let's say 120 is the number, maybe it is three, three, 100. And then year four, it's, it's 40 million again, but only 20 is guaranteed. And they're like, well, we don't give a shit because the cap's going to double. Yeah. So I, I think, I think we're on the same page. I think it's, I mean, if they could get him in between 30 and 35, you're re- I mean, they'll have no problem using the full, full MLE, which is $10 million. So that could be one player. That could be two. The BAE, which you can only use every other year, they'd have access to that. They could do a sign-in trade because it's all about being hard-capped at that 155 number, 155 well, look, man, if he's being honest, once again, stars lie all the time, players lie all the time, especially guys that have a history of not getting along with teams, not like he wanted to get paid and, and, and uh, you know, he gave Brooklyn gave him the opportunity to extend. It wouldn't have been for the most amount of money. And now if he's really like what he said at the press conference effort, he's like, I want to do whatever we can to help us win. I want to like be, you know, be flexible, blah, blah, blah. Maybe he just really didn't want to be in Brooklyn anymore because of the Kyrie thing and mm-hmm. the money was an excuse to get out of it. So yeah. I think we're now at a point where if and when I said the Beal thing, where you could clear enough cap space, I had in mind that thirty to thirty-five million dollar line because that's where Joel is around right now, making this upcoming season the last year of his yeah. original extension, and then he kicks in with the supermax, and then you have no money. So this is kind of the last offseason to really nail whatever your strategy is moving forward. Whether it's you try to build with role players, you get guys on two, three-year deals that you can have over the next few years, or you try to get that last star. Because maybe maybe if you get the last star, maybe if you do go the Levine Beal route and like that's an option and you can just get that guy and like you can threaten to sign him outright and take you know move the Tobias contract or whatever, threaten to dump it to OKC, maybe you can just say like, look, if the Harden thing like doesn't work out and like he's still a good player, but he's not the James Harden we thought he signed up for and him and Joel clash or whatever. We have a fallback with Levine or Beal or whoever, plus Maxie's still on the team. Right. And, and that's and where you go that route for trying to keep the next few years open as opposed to going all the way 100% in on this season. And if you can convince like, again, long shot, but if you could convince the Bulls to do a sign and trade for 
Levine, um, even if that's like taking him into like they could get a big enough cap exception with the Tobias trade to OKC that they are not signing him as a free agent, they would still be able to, if Harden takes that discount, they could still use that full MLE and still use that um, BAE, where if they have to go in the cap space to sign them, there goes those options. You're dealing with just the room exception. And if you sign Beal, you're going to be too close to that hard cap. You're not going to be able to play with those bigger numbers. So um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what what Daryl does. I mean, I'm I'm in agreement with you. I think – one of the things you notice with these final like four teams that are left, right? You have the Celtics. You mentioned this with Zoe. Like some of these teams that, you know, make it to the end of the season, it's partly because they've been through the fire together, you know? And I think that's one thing like Daryl like underestimates. You hear like whenever you watch those 30 for 30s and things like that, like they always talk about like, you know, that one guy that they added that, you know, didn't put up a ton of points, but it was like John Sally, John Sally really put us over the top or it's like, Hey, we had to like slam our heads against the wall, like three or four times before we busted through. Now what can happen is either like you bust through or it's just like, but you become the Hawks where it's just like, you literally never go anywhere. And it's just, you cap out. I don't, I don't feel like our top four, like is capped out. Like I think Maxi can make, I don't know if it's a leap, but a, a huge, another huge step. And he, you know, he, he doesn't even really have a bag. He works, he works. Exactly. That's the thing. He works hard, man. Like I, 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 I really believe in his ability to get better and better and better every single season. Like if you told me next year, we're talking about Tyrese Maxi in the all-star conversation. I'm not surprised. No. And I think, I think Harden will be better. How much better? I don't know, but I think Harden will be better. I love, you know, this is going to be like blasphemy. People are going to be like, you're crazy. I would love to see Joe like not gun for MVP so much. And actually, if he was going to gun for anything, have it be defensive player of the year. Because I think the team is at its best when that's kind of his like number one focus. And and the offense relies less on him. Because what happens in the playoffs, and we've seen it now enough times that like it works in the regular season, like so many things do. When teams have an idea of who they can help off of and the different things they can do to him defensively, we just never have like, oh, we'll we'll just play this way. They're going to do that to Joe. We don't know how. And so that's so frustrating. And and you guys were right about Doc. And I I was more just like kind of how Daryl, I think, sees coaching, which is like it's kind of immaterial, like for the most part. You know, I kind of always subscribe to that idea, by the way. I think that there are very few things coaches can do to genuinely fuck shit up, but you have to have give Doc the level of talent, and 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 you have to kind of like work with him in order to like get the most out of it. And like, dude, once again, as we brought up, like, how much talent can this guy have for a decade and not get to a conference finals? Like, there's something going on here. Here's the other fucked up thing. And again, this is like our memories are so short. Dude, he did play guys like Bassey and Bre- like Charlie Brown. Like he played those guys this year when we had the whole COVID thing and stuff. And they flashed. Like those guys did okay. And so it was so weird in that last third of the season. And maybe he was just like, well, I got to tighten up the rotation for the playoffs. And like, I don't want to, you know, it, we I got to be vet heavy. But it's like, I didn't think any of those guys proved themselves unworthy of, of more opportunity. And if anything, guys like Furkan like prove they that someone else should get the opportunity. Like yeah. I'm all for like trying to let Furcon work through his things, but in the playoffs, like 
Dude, he's been terrible all fucking year, man. Like he was bad. Yeah, he, he was, was so he bad. Had, and, the first month of the season, he was good, and yeah. everything after that, he was terrible. And it wasn't even like a shooting thing. Like his shooting did dip, but like he was bad at things that he made everything. progress in. Everything. And exactly. And 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 kind of just going back to your whole Maury point with like Maury's a great GM. He's had an amazing history of building winning teams and you know all this stuff. The one thing that I think that Maury is the most just like short-sighted on, I guess you could say, is analytics in terms of their application to the regular season versus the playoffs. Mm. Because a lot of analytics guys will tell you, and they're right when they tell you this, that you can't take much from the playoffs because the sample size is too small. small. I agree with that. But at the same time, that's where you have to rely on the eye test. Because the eye test tells you, Matisse Thibel was never going to be a playoff player. And you were right about that. I told you before the pod, I was like, I got to give you your due. And um, I think I, we were talking about like in terms of like acting, like where they just nail like one role and you're like, oh my gosh, this guy's going to win like, em- like Emmys or Oscars. Yeah. And then he like plays other roles. You're like, oh no, this guy's like sucks. <laughs> He's not a good <laughs> yeah. actor. Yeah, exactly. Not- I, I compared it to Chance the Rapper. He made acid rap and I thought he was going to be one of the best rappers. And then from there, he just put out a bunch of duds and I was like, okay, maybe he kind of sucks. Like I was- he flashed so early as that three and D guy that we were like, oh, he's going to be the starting small right. forward for a fucking decade. And then that's it. it. It was, it's really disappointing. I do think, you know, one of the places I was thinking for him as a landing spot, and I think they have two first round picks and I, who knows, like you could tell, I think you said like a protected fifth <laughs> top 55 protected second round pick or something like that. <laughs> I, I, don't know. I know at one point, I think there was like talk that like you could get a first form. My point is San Antonio has uh two first. That seems like a place where they might go just because of their ability to, to teach shooting where they might be like, hey, we've seen enough defensively. We think it's worthwhile to take a shot on him. I think their second uh, first round pick is like kind of later. It's 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 not lottery based. So probably the Celtics pick, right? Didn't they? Yeah. So, yeah. so like to me, it's like if you could get that back from Matisse, now you have like a first round pick you might actually be able to do something with. That's the other thing with the Harden deal. Like. I think I think Maury did okay. Like the Seth stuff doesn't bother me, but like I just think the way he did those picks, like not making the Nets commit to twenty two or twenty three till June first, it just seems bizarre to me. Like to now just, we can't plan. Like we, we we now have two more weeks where we don't know whether we're gonna have a pick or if, not. If, if I'm the if I'm the Nets and and I'm and or if I'm if I'm a team and the Nets are calling me and being like, hey, like we have the Sixers pick, I'd be like, we want it next year. I'm watching all this stuff with Harden. I'm like, we want the 23 one, unprotected. We want that. Oh, absolutely. And I especially would want that because there are multiple reasons. The Sixers have potential to blow up. Yep. Someone could get injured. And then also on top of that, next year's draft is better and deeper. So you like to me, if I'm another team or even if I'm the Nets and I want to keep the pick, I'm deferring it to next year. Even if it helps the Sixers temporarily, whether it's moving the Tobias contract or it is – or if it's attaching Thibel to that to get back a better player, or if it's they're just drafting EJ Liddell or someone that I like at the end of the first round, hopefully. Like, I think that there there are things. Another, before you get into whatever you were going to say next, the other location I had for Thibel was Sacramento, was the, yeah. the team that I think could take, because they're they need wings, they need defense, and also they don't, they're not going to give us their first round pick. They just got the fourth pick in the draft. But they do have a very high second round pick. And it's like 36 or something. It is. I, lo- I looked at them too. And I was like, that would be another one where it's like, you wouldn't feel great, but you'd be like, wow, if you use your first round pick, 
to, to trade, you know, to add on a Tobias deal and you could still get a top 35, 36 player. It's like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've been trying to steal Justin holiday for years. I don't think they're going to trade him. They just got him. I've been, I, I mean, the one, the one element, and I don't know if this is possible because of all the weird draft rules with sign and trades where like, do you remember a few years ago where the Pistons, like the Pistons, the Rockets and the Blazers made that trade and it was, well, the Blazers sent two first-round picks to the Rockets, and they got Robert Covington back. Yeah. And then every, and then they basically sent a first-round pick to the Pistons, and everyone was like, "What are they doing?" And everyone was like, "Why are the, Why are they sending a first?" Like they only kept. And then a few days later, it came out that they signed Christian Wood in a sign-in trade, which I don't even think no. is technically legal. But they they literally just waited a few days, got Christian Wood in the sign and trade, and used the, they they used that first round pick to send to Detroit. So basically, they drafted someone for Detroit, sent it there. It was really a strange kind of whatever. But my whole point on this is that uh, there's a guy that like could you possibly get like if Dante Divincenzo wants to leave Sacramento, which that by was, the way there are, there are reports coming out he's not happy there. He's not happy. And, he hasn't he hasn't looked right. But that was so we we'll get it. Let's get into after this. Let's get into some of the options. But that was one of those like. Like, I think Daryl will look for obviously like upside and high variable guys. He, to me, strikes me as like he's got a little dog in him. And, you know, he played some big minutes for Milwaukee, I think, in a couple of playoff rounds like uh, years ago. He, obviously, from the area. So he's, you know, one of us kind of kind of thing. But I, that would be one where it's like, yeah, maybe like maybe he would be willing to sign like a, I don't know what number he would be looking for and restricted because, you know, would he sign like for like a 318 and like you'd be kind of yeah. close, you'd be within the uh, uh, amount for Matisse. Uh, that's a good one. I, I thought about that. That's okay. So, so the Dante DiVincenzo thing is, and keep in mind here, if this is a trade that is to happen, the Kings want Thibel. They get an extra year to look at Thibel. They get to bring yeah. him in before they extend him. And then on top of that, they know Dante DiVincenzo wants to leave anyway. He's from yeah. the area. Like that could all work out. And the, they would have to give up something because otherwise DiVincenzo can just take an MLE with any random team. And well, he's, go, restricted. Hey. he's restricted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he is restricted. But like if he doesn't want to stay in Sacramento, like he doesn't want to stay in Sacramento. And the reports that came out were he was actually angry that he wasn't getting more playing time because he thinks that they did that to hurt his value in free agency so they could keep him. And that might have fractured the relationship to the point where he doesn't want to come back. Long story short, he was expected to get somewhere in that tax MLE to MLE. And now the, they're thinking that, that, that Sacramento is trying to get him on that court Moss type deal where it's like five for 15 or whatever, or three for 15. Three for 15. And uh, look, I don't think that Maury's going to invest in the guard position. And he's pretty much a, like just a two. Yeah. Like he, he can play two. He can play a little bit of three as a smaller guy, but like he's pretty much a two. I think he's probably going to aim for guys that can play multiple positions, whether it's the two, three or the three, four, or whatever it is. And I do think that he's going to invest in the small forward and power forward position, especially if he has to move on from Tobias. So I do think that that would only be a situation where it's like, this is the best guy we can get for Thibel. He can be our best bench player as our mm-hmm. six man type even though he doesn't really handle the ball all that much, but like he can attack a closeout. He can occasionally shoot. He can play defense. He can be basically a not as good version of like Alex Caruso for us or something. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's a great name. I'm glad you brought him up. Cause I, I had him on my list originally. And then I, for some reason he fell off, but I think, I, you know, whether it's at the minimum level or, or, you know, in a, in a deal or something like that, I think he's going to look at like, 
dogs and wings and big wings and power forwards, especially because like he could be looking to replace Tobias. But I think someone like that might be too good to pass up where it's just like, he could be your seventh man. He could be that guy in a play. We all talk about it, right? Like the, the Lou Williams that like, you know, has maybe enough passable defense where a night where just nothing's working, he comes in, hits two threes and the, the fans are going crazy. And it's like, okay, like, you need to have those type of guys on your bench, man. You just do. Like, you need to have – and ones that you can actually play. You know, like, shake, shake sort of like that eighth, like seventh and a half eighth guy that, like, you, sure. don't, you, you don't want to depend on in a playoff series. But, like, he showed in that last game. And, you know, it kind of goes to, like, what I think Miami, their theory is with these, like, undrafted guys. Like, you could tell Shake was hungry in that game. Like, 100%. He, he, was, he played harder – I thought Tobias played mostly hard through the series. Maxi, you know, played hard. Harden didn't, obviously. Embiid, I think, was just pretty much gassed by the end, um, physically and emotionally. Dude, Shake was out there. It's like, so I give him credit. And so if you can get a, maybe a better version of Shake, I think that would only cost you Matisse. And to your point, that's the best you could do. I would be like very, I would look at it as like a very favorable move if you could do that. I agree. If anything, I think that more one of Maury's biggest mistakes was holding on to guys for too long since he's been here. Between, I mean, the Ben thing, it's like, okay, it was his first year here. Maybe he didn't want to ruffle feathers. What? Okay, I understand that. The Thibel thing is like, I mean, look, man, like I, I'm not trying to be like, I get a lot of things wrong all the time. I'm not saying <laughs> I'm fucking perfect, but to me, it was obvious that this dude could never play in the playoffs. I think George Niang's another guy who like, look, if he's only making $3 million next year and you just need bodies in the regular season, sure, fine, but he can't be in your playoff rotation and you're paying him that $3 million. So what, what are we really doing here when it comes to allocating the money that we have in order to like build up our regular season versus building up our playoffs? Now, if you look at it as an investment of, well, Niang can spot start when there are injuries and he can play 20, 25 minutes in the regular season just to eat up innings, okay, that actually does have value because it might give guys rest in the regular yep. season i would value that and be like maybe in a pinch if you need him to play spot minutes in the playoffs just to come in and shoot some threes and like play a, maybe you can put him at the five and he can he can because he can't defend fours because he's so slow in space but like in a certain matchup maybe he's playable okay that's fine the tobias thing is like you know as much as tobias drove a lot of people crazy as as, as at times i was out on tobias and like all that shit he makes $40 million and it's kind of the elephant in the room where like he's still important to the team because of what he became over the last two months, which is like, he was arguably our most consistent player for a good chunk of that playoffs. And you go, you know, he became that Tobias Harrison Barnes type guy. We wanted him to become, as I said, and it is unfortunate that like, he just makes so much money because there's not really a ton of trades out there that you would get positive value back for, for a guy that makes that much money, even though he's a pretty good player. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. And like, that's, that's where it's like, to me, the only thing that really makes sense is like that OKC maneuver where it's like Presti's like, actually I would value Tobias on that deal because it gives us like, you know, when we move into next season, you know, Presti traded for George, like Paul George. So I don't think he's afraid to trade for a guy that maybe doesn't want to necessarily come there. He can help them on the court, and then he becomes a huge expiring contract in a yeah. year. And then worst case scenario, in two years, he's off your books. Yeah, and- I mean, I did hear the OKC guys from Saturday Slam and Jim did tell me that their messaging, at least, has been we want to keep our cap space for not this upcoming season, but the next season. So that might throw a little bit of a wrench in it, but I did have a solution to that, which is – Basically, and I know there are a lot of people out there that are like, 
what if the Mavericks could take him? Like the Mavericks aren't taking him now. Like, I mean, like I know even you, you had said at one point, like the Mavericks or the Knicks or one of these teams, but like, I just don't think that a team that is like, I think it's going to be a rebuilding team that just wants to get like one pick or the protections removed or whatever it is. And I think that getting Houston involved could be the way to get off of him because John Wall's going into the final year of his contract. If OKC's goal is to create that cap space, they could even buy out John Wall. They've done it with Kemba. They'll do it. They'll do it with other guys too. Like you send Tobias to Houston, and now them drafting Paulo Banchero could kind of fuck things up if he falls to three or Jabari Smith. Like maybe they're like, well, we don't want Tobias at all. But at the same time, that's a kind of situation where like maybe you can send one first round pick there. They can send John Wall to OKC, and then you're just your only goal is to open up cap space if Harden takes a big enough pay cut, and then you can sign guys, you can get guys traded into space, all that shit. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the way I've been thinking about things, just to like make it, you know, because I think this is what a lot of people want to hear. So, I've just been kind of like, okay, our top four is going to stay our top four, likely seventy percent, maybe, right? Like Tobias, okay, Embiid, Maxi, and Harden. Like, I think. I think it's more likely than not that those four will be back, in my opinion. You think Tobias is definitely going to be back? Not definitely. I just think it's more likely than not. I do think Daryl probably has big dreams, you know, and if he can make it happen, it will certainly – I can't see how it wouldn't involve Tobias. But I I just think it's more reasonable that – I just don't think we have enough assets left. And if you're not trying to include Maxi, I just don't – like we don't even have a – we kind of have a pick we can use basically. Like kind of. And and the way it will be is – my thought there was literally draft EJ Liddell because if you watch EJ Liddell, he's kind of like what Tobias is. But but is with, he going to be there? Like so. so oh yeah, I mean, be- well, he's supposed to go somewhere in like the twenty three to thirty range. Right. So that was just my guy. But like, yeah, you can't build your summer around it. But you can kind of like if there is a guy there, you can always trade that pick of the draft. There's always like you have right. options. Basically, is what right. I'm trying to say here. So, and, so if, but I kind of say four. Then where do you have those four? And then and then at the bottom of the of the roster, you know, I like the like obviously we 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 like Bassie and Reed and Springer and Joe and Shake like Shake and Yang. So like I think that's fine. Like for like the overall depth. So you're really to me looking at like a fifth star through like two or three more like legitimate like the guys you're actually going to play in the playoffs and you have you have Matisse and Korkmaz as salary right so you can get about 10 to 12 million there if whatever you can if if Matisse has value um or if you have to add a second or something like that so you can get you know like maybe an Alec Burks type like that's just like a name that's in that that range um and then you've got your your uh non-tax MLE, which is 10 million. So that could be one player, probably two. Um, and then you've got the BAE, which I think is like four. Do you, I don't know if you know that off the top of your head. Yeah, it's like, things. it's the BAE. It's right around the room exception, yeah. but you can only give it, it's only a two-year deal you can do with that. Mm-hmm. So who are the guys you like? Like what, what, what names are you, have you been bandying about in those kind of uh, <laughs> so contract there are, meetings? There are a ton of guys that are like fringe, like starter bench guy that I do like, like, I think the Danny injury hurts a lot because it's Danny, terrible. It's, it's, Danny fun, was it's, fun, it's, dude, it's so, it's so tough to talk about cause it's a career ending injury basically. And it's like, yeah. I feel awful. Like just discuss Like it's now like the, the Danny green contract versus yeah. like Danny green. But yeah, like they would have almost good player for us. Well, to be honest, like the the Mavericks have an exactly like ten million dollar trade exception that expires like pretty soon. Like he would have been like an obvious move for them because like that way they they don't lose the trade exception. They get a guy who like could still play minutes in the Mavericks system next year. Sure. 
Yeah. Um, and then that would have opened up a, a ten million dollar cap except or a traded exception for us, given us some some space. So you know they're almost. I can't see any like way they don't just waive him and just take the savings. So it it, it hurts yeah. from a trade perspective big time. Okay, so this free agency class sucks. Uh, let's just get that out of the way. It's, it's not very. It good. sucks. It sucks from a. I actually think there's some guy like the kind of guys we need are in it, but it, from an overall talent standpoint, I, I agree with you. And like the wings are just kind of like, I mean, like I, I looked at it and I went through it and there are some fringe guys. Like I've talked about on the drunk streams. I brought up the Martin twins and like, the, like, you know, like the guys that like no one would ever think of. And like one of the guys you brought up is Amir coffee from yeah. the Clippers. Like, and I talked to my buddy who like the Clippers apparently love him, but they can only offer him the tax MLE and stuff like that. Like, Maury's going to have to get creative is my point here, because I, I'm going to give you the forwards that I looked at and I thought could be interesting. The one guy, if we're going like biannual exception, that could be interesting to me, that could have a little bit of upside, interesting rotation, maybe bench wing fringe starters, Derek Jones Jr. Where yeah, like I Danny. feel like, I don't know if he's a good enough shooter to start because you really do like in Danny's spot, you're going to need a guy who can shoot because Tobias and Maxi can shoot, but they don't want to shoot. We'll see if Harden changes his game to become more of a catch-and-shoot guy. I don't have a lot of faith in that. He should be in the gym putting up catch-and-shoot threes every single day if he really wants to try to make this thing work. But the the, the handful of guys I had here, Derek Jones Jr. was someone on that like lower tier. Mm-hmm. I had, if you want to do reclamation projects, I do think Victor Oladipo is going to stay in Miami. But the way that he's played in the playoffs has given me at least a little bit of hope that he might have some relevancy and like, I would be willing to give the full MLE to take a shot on a guy. Wow. Like okay. Yeah. I mean, the way that but he's, he's, but he's not really, he's not really, a, I mean, he's more of a guard, don't you think? Sure. But he yeah. can play the three. I mean, yeah. it's to me, it's like when we wanted to, when I wanted us to trade for Victor Oladipo, this was an old version of the Sixers a year yeah. ago when we were talking about this, when I wanted them to kind of make that move, the idea for me with, with Oladipo was like, he can be a starter in some situations and he can be a six man in some situations where he can handle the ball a little bit. He plays good defense. The three comes and goes, but like if he's more of a catch and shoot guy and they're leaving him wide open, you're hoping that he can just hit like 35 to 40% of those, whatever it is. So that those are the guys that are like, kind of like the, we just need athletes and guys who are in the rotation that like bring some sort of pop to the rotation. Those are the guys from more like long shot guys that I think for that. I'm just talking forwards now. I'm not talking about the guards and I'll get into those a little bit later, but from a long shot kind of situation, this is something that Will Rucker keeps bringing up on Twitter. The TJ Warren recommendation project could be interesting. If yeah. you get him on a lower, like you can't give him the full MLE. It would have to be like a one year prove it deal. If you could and get like, him like, if you could get him for like, for like half of like, yeah. so you use the other half for somebody else. And then you're, you have like the bird rights on him are like, you have non bird, which, you know, maybe you'd be at a place where you could, you know, kind of keep them maybe depending on how good a year he had. I, I, it's a great name. It's a great name. And, and if you could be like, you're going to start, like yeah. you're going to come here and start. I, I would think that's appealing. He's a dog and a hooper. The last time we really saw him for an extended tra- stretch, he was Michael Jordan in the bubble. So, <laughs> 
I don't think we're going to get that version. I don't, I hope his foot's okay. And I hope that he can kind of have, this is the thing is like, there are certain guys on here who I like as players, like TJ Warren's one of them, Otto Porter's another one that I like that like you could pl- plug into the rotation. He's been really good for Golden State, but like those health question marks are so big. And that's the only reason that you're going to be able to get these guys for the price, right. like Oladipo, Warren, Porter, all those guys. That is the reason why they're available. But then some of the lower tier guys I had on here, were Mark Keith Morris as a veterans minimum guy that you could just yeah. kind of take a chance veterans on, see if you can get anything back for him. Um, and then for uh, I also had Torin Prince as yeah. another veterans <laughs> minimum guy. Yeah, yeah, those are my like, two veteran veteran yeah. minimum guys. Yep. <laughs> They've been yeah. like theoretic. He's always been like theoretically good, but never actually that good. Uh, yeah. But like, if you had him maybe as a seventh or eighth man, you could try to make it work. Um, and then the other, the last guy that I had on here who like should get a full MLE. And has played in the playoffs as Bobby Portis. Um, Bobby Portis is ha- can opt out. I think he's going to stay in Milwaukee. But like interesting four or five type guy. If you're playing him at the five, you're probably going to get killed in the playoffs. But like he can play the four. And like if anything happens with Tobias where you have to trade him or whatever, like he could probably start sometimes. Like I, I think it could be interesting. But defensively, I I start to worry a little bit with with some of these guys. Uh, if they, yeah. like. I've, I've heard people bring up a trade for Bojan Bogdanovic, which when we had the Danny Green salary made sense, but I'm like, Bojan just defensively, like volume shooting wise and ball handling wise, he would be perfect as the, as a Tobias replacement at the four. But yeah. ultimately the defense is just so bad that like you have Harden and Maxi on the perimeter. Like you got to have good defenders at the three and the four. And that's kind of where it gets complicated. So what about, what about Boucher? I don't know, man. Is Boucher good or is he just like is he just like the guy that kills the Sixers every time? So we think he's really good. So like I can't really tell with him. So it's funny because I was kind of digging into him. So his three point number, it 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 looks like he would only kill the Sixers. But when you dig into his three point shooting, he's like not great above the break, or at least he wasn't this year. He's like scintillating from the corners, like right. deadly. Which is where you would, which is where you would want him, and theoretically yeah. you could play him as a four. Go, go be PJ Tucker, crash the boards, which we need desperately, and then could play some small ball five. I think for you because he's actually got a little bit of like, you know, rim protection. He's got some athleticism. He's got some switchability. Sure, he, he's an interesting name, especially if you end up going the route where you you lose Tobias, but you kind of keep enough kind of space to maybe mess around. I I think he gets probably like eight million a year maybe like i think he gets a yeah. decent number um i mentioned amir I coffee think say raptors fans though have said like and boucher played pretty well in the playoffs but also sixers killer raptors fans have said to me he's a black hole on offense like okay. it's like and pj tucker has had to kind of come into his own as that ball mover type but like yeah. if you want to have any sort of system with ball movement like he has like the lowest assist rates in the entire nba because if he gets the ball he's either shooting a three or he's turning it over like that's Got kind it. of like what he is so that's <clears> just something <throat> to keep in mind so so the Martin, the Martin twins are obvious. Like I would love to see if you could be like, Hey, we'll give you, we'll split the MLE between the two of you and just like tell your teams don't match. Um, yeah. The problem is they're both restricted. Um, oh, wow. Wait, both. Yeah. They're both restricted. I'm almost certain. Did one of them just sign with Miami last year? I yeah. But I think it was just a one year. I think it was just a one year deal. All right. Um, so, but, but, but it's interesting. So like the, some of the restrictions are interesting. So coffee is another one. Like, it's 
they're restricted, so it makes it difficult. But I, I think most of them are like on non-bird. So if you're willing right. to maybe pay a little premium on it, you can probably get them. Martins are interesting because they definitely bring what you need. Are they good enough to be your fifth starter? I'm dubious. I think you'd be better served if they were like your seventh man. I just um, don't think they're good enough shooters. That's yeah. the thing. It's like I think I think that one of the things that is going to be difficult is if we figure out that fifth starter, they have to be a volume shooter. And like, oh, we just need a volume shooter who can play defense and also is good enough to start. Like, yeah, every fucking team in the NBA, like the Clippers have an entire roster of that right now. It would be nice to get some of the guys from there, but like ultimately I think that like Balmer has proven that he's like, I'll go way into this axe if it means that we're contending. And like, I would kill to get even like a guy who's not as good as he once was and Marcus Morris oh, or yeah. Rob, well, Robert Covington just extended, but like Robert Covington, Norman Powell, like any of these guys. They've got, they've got Batum who's like expressed like, True. like some respect for Embiid and, and interest. I think like he's a guy that's probably gettable, but you, you said to me like, we'll have the literally the slowest team like in the NBA. Um, coffee's really interesting to me, right? Because he's kind of in that DiVincenzo mold that I think there's upside there. He's still young-ish, but he's got that like G G League pedigree where like I think he could be hungry. Um, he's good. He's good. He's good. He's yeah, a good yeah. player. He's a good he can, yeah. And he's six seven, so it's like yeah. you're getting some size. So- like you're getting a little size there. He- he's just an interesting one to me, and I wonder if like you know, the numbers that they have and the, you know, the analytics and like, you know, they can look at a lot of different stuff, second spectrum, his movement on the floor. I just wonder if they see a guy that like, you know, they love, un- you know, he loves undervalued. Like if you paid him $8 million a year, or even let's say the full MLE, but like it comes back where it's like, this guy's like a $15 million a year player. If, if he at, at a per 36 and we don't see any reason why he can't be a fifth starter, just an interesting name where like most like most Sixers fans, I think they've probably heard of him, but like would be underwhelmed. But I think he seems to be that type of guy who's confident. Like on a team like the Clippers with all that talent, even though they were hurt, I mean, he was hooping at the end of yep. the season. I mean, he was definitely like playing hoops and like putting in points. Um, two guys I like. So you named like a like a lot of the guys I like. If they were if they were to do OKC, if they were to make that move, Kenny Hustle, my guy Kenrich, would be an Amazing. awesome addition. Um, he would kind of be like, he doesn't take, well, Tobias doesn't take a ton of volume threes. At least he didn't like he, he Tobias shoot, is a better shooter than Kenrich. Yeah. He's a better shooter, but you're going to, I think Kenrich is a more athletic. Like, I think he's a more true, like three, four that, I mean, his literally his nickname's Kenny hustle. So it's like defense and rebounds. If you want to solve some defense and rebounds problems, Kenrich Williams, either coming off your bench as one of your first and, or maybe spot starting like friend starter guy would be great for that. And to your point, he's actually like if you look at some of like the assist numbers and like um, some like the t- like uh, connective like numbers you can see like as a connector, he's actually a very good passer. So he's a smart player, yeah. He, and he's on for two million. You have his bird rights after this year. You know, maybe like I know Muscala, like people have wanted him back. Like you know, do you add a like I would if you add another center to like the Reed and Bassey mix, I would want it to be like a Mike Muscala or a Boucher where it's like bring something different. Like I, I don't need another veteran that just does what those guys can do, but worse. If right. you're going to bring like a third center in, which like 
maybe, maybe not. Like, please, Daryl, like I'm begging you, if you listen to like one thing, like don't bring in another like stiff center body. Like no Tristan Thompson's. No, no fucking no, please. no. Yeah. Even even Hassan another, Whiteside, who had a good year, I don't want him. <laughs> if you bring in another big, just please bring one that like even theoretically stretches the floor. Yeah. Like that's that's just so Kelly type. <laughs> honestly, honestly, the just Michael please, Green. Perfect. Like, just please, just another option. We don't need. I, I'm f- content going in with Bassey and Reed as like our like Thanks. on the block. You know, Reed is kind of like maybe a switch five. Bassey is kind of a drop five that can like sort of do what Embiid does, not as well, obviously, but like you just maintain that defensive structure. Reed, you can be like, okay, we're going to switch one through five, um, and then have a center who's like, yeah, if we want to just go stretch the floor, we've got that. So curveball, um, curveball center. The other oh, name. Just a switch up, like a change. The other name I would give you that's not really that's a guard, but I think he can guard wings, and he kind of proved himself again this playoffs is Delon Wright. I have him on my list. Yeah, I do have. I'm interested in Delon Wright. I I think he's good. I think he's. I think he'd help us. Playoff guy. Yeah, I think he's he's a guy that you could be like, okay, he's playing in the playoffs. He can handle the ball a little. So, you know, second units, you could still have Maxi play off guard. You don't want to. Yes. So it's like he's not a total. He's not a creator, but he can bring the ball up. And then I think he's the type of guy that you could be like, again, no one's going to do a great job, but could you put him on Tatum for minutes? I think you could. You know, I think you could get away with him on. Or Jalen Brown. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, if we, you're still switching a lot on defense. And I think he's yeah, the true. type of guy with the wingspan and his size that he's not going to score a ton of points. He, he shoots well enough from three that you don't feel crazy. He doesn't take enough, but you're always going to kind of give something up with this range of guys. But. To me, he'd be one of those guys where it's like, all right, I've, we've got a playoff guy. We've got a, yeah. I've got another guy that I feel can play 15 to 18 minutes in a playoff game, and we're not going to get roasted on either end because of him. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. DeLon Wright was near the, the, the – he was second on my list. Do you want to guess who number one for the guards was? I think you can definitely guess who this is. It's actually fairly obvious if you've been following me on Twitter and just know who I am. Not it's not a Hooper. I should leave it at that because it's, it's not, not a Hooper. No, it's not a Hooper. It's not a Lou Williams type. It's not a. Oh man, I, I don't know. The second I say it, you're gonna be like, "Damn it!" Gar- I think Gary Harris is the number Gary one Harris. guy I would have because I think that Gary Harris, once again, a problem problem with a lot of these guys is they only play one position really. Yeah. Like Gary Harris, you in a small ball lineup, you can probably get away with playing him at the three, but you're ideally playing him at the two. I think. The thing with Gary Harris is like, if he can ever get back to what he was, and a lot of that was situation. He was playing with Jokic, one of the best playmakers in the NBA. But we do have James Harden. Like, I mean, like there, there's something there. His catch and shoot numbers went way back up. He seemed healthy for the first time. Once again, injuries are going to be a problem. But like, that's kind of what you're you're dealing with here when you have the MLA. You're not getting a perfectly healthy guy. You're taking risks on projects and you're taking risks on fringe rotation players and you're taking risks on guys who were once good and doing reclamation projects. But I think Gary Harris would be like, if you put Gary Harris on this Sixers playoff team, like if he got bought out and we had signed him, he's our best bench player by such a wide margin that you would be like, we actually have a kind of okay – like, you could shrink down the rotation to eight and feel fine because you would have – you would go to the bench and be like, we have Reed, Harris, and whoever else is the eighth man. And I'd feel fine with that rolling into the playoffs, whereas they just had no one they could go to 
And I feel like Gary Harris has enough two-way prowess that he could be good enough. And I don't think Orlando's going to keep him because they're they just they're rebuilding. I think he's actually the safest. Like if you were like, we're just going to use our full MLA, and we want the guy that we feel like is is the safest bet. I think it's definitely him. Like to your point, is he the best fit? Probably not. Like he's not exactly what we need. But to your point, if you're like, we only have you know ten million dollars. You know, we start splitting it, you know, and trying to play in this RFA, like restricted free agent pool. Or, you know, we got to wait three days. If you just go to Gary Harris and you're like, you know, we're going to give you $10 million for, you know, I mean, you could do a four-year deal with the MLA. So you could do yeah. 10 with the raises. I, could, I think get up to like four. We're going to load that. manage Harden throughout the right. season. Start you, 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 that would be, be the safe, guy off the bench. That would be the safest move. I don't think it has the highest upside, but I think that's the safest move um, that they could make at that at that price level. Yeah. And the thing with Gary Harris is like Gary Harris is one of those guys. And like, it's the Danny green Harrison Barnes factor where like, he just makes lineups work. We're yeah. like, okay, we have a guy we know we can trust to put as a perimeter option defensively. He's going to shoot open threes. He's going to keep the ball moving. Like he's just like a smart, good player that had a lot more upside at one point. He's still not that old. Like he's like, how old is Gary Harris? I think he's I don't, like 26. I would say I don't think he's even – he's definitely not 30 yet. I don't think he's on – he's definitely 27 not years old. Yeah. Like there's there might be something there where like if he can get healthy, like you got a legit starter level guy coming off your bench. And like I think Gary Harris is my number one target if they go after a guard that, that with, with some of this money. Or even like – okay, so – I know we talked about like Tobias, like if we're doing salary dumps or whatever, but like yeah. Orlando has the most cap space of anyone. And like he played there, he's a great locker room guy. He's not going to like stunt the development of their other players so much. Like he's not going to be a high, he's not going to be a Russell Westbrook where he's like has to have the ball all the time. He can function off the ball a little bit. He can be a good culture guy. Like he's been there before. Like if their main goal is just like, we want to get draft picks and prospects and we like Jaden Springer or whatever. And, 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 and they could send back Gary Harris and we could get cap space or whatever. Like there's, there are some things you can like shake and move a little bit. So, so I, I threw this one out to my buddy, uh, my buddy, Chris on Twitter, Chris Lewis, and he was kind of laughing because it's kind of one of those deals that I think both teams will kind of hate. What if what if they did like Jonathan Isaac? I, I know you were talking about cap space, but like what if it's from a deal perspective? What if it was like Isaac and Terrence Ross? I mean, I hate one player on the court and I hate one player off the court. So it would be hard for me. I hate Terrence Ross, and it's, I, 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 I think Jonathan Isaac is one of the most annoying players in the it's, NBA. It's funny because like – Isaac in some ways on the court would be like kind of a great, like Perfect. again, theoretical, like, you know, play and, the and Orlando would or, Orlando is even, not even, even having the number Isaac. one pick now, like you don't, you think he's really in their plans? I don't think he's in their plans, but I also don't think they're, they're jumping to get rid of him. Um, because they might say, let's get him back on the court and show that he can still play okay. before we're like in any sort of deal where it's like, unless they really like, like one of our prospects and like, Maybe or they just or they or, hate his guts. Like, I, from what I've heard, he's not a good locker room guy. No one really likes him. Like to me, that was actually it's funny you brought up Isaac because in the same realm of guy that I thought of for a trade was Gordon Hayward. And right. I think that like I think that Gordon obviously politically they're very similar, but like <laughs> it, they both have weird vibes from like I know that it, it's it's easy to say like oh well like you know I don't agree with their politics so they suck, but like. 
a lot of the guys in the in in the locker room like just don't want to hear that shit from Jonathan Isaac. Yeah. And like that's why they don't care about what his politics are. They just don't care about politics and he gets so involved in that and like I don't think Gordon Hayward's nearly as deep in that, but my point here with the Gordon Hayward thing is like if we want to talk about reclamation project guys, like he was one of the guys that I had brought up last time you came on the podcast when we talked about trading for CJ McCollum, who by the way looked fantastic in some of the play and and some of the playoffs. And yeah without Damian Lillard. Um, and Gordon Hayward was another guy I brought up on there. I think Victor Oladipo was another guy, just like these reclamation type guys who were once really good. And like, you go to Gordon Hayward and you say, look, like, you know, Joe, we're going to load manage Joel and, and James throughout the year. Like you'll have more on ball opportunities than you will in Charlotte, which is one of the things that he's been frustrated with. But once again, every place he goes, it seems like there are these weird vibes that come with him. Or like he doesn't really get along with guys. Like, the locker room is much better when they move on from him. Like Boston is was clearly one of those situations. It sounds like he doesn't get along with well with the guys in Charlotte. But like, if you want to talk about a guy who would be the perfect starting three for the Sixers, if we move off Tobias and we're trying to get someone back, and once again he has injury issues too. But like, Gordon Hayward is the kind of guy that I'm thinking of of like good enough defender, really smart player, <laughs> shoots threes, can shot create like. That's the perfect kind of guy that you would have as a Danny Green replacement, but there are so many question marks that come with him often on the court. All right, so rapid fire. These are just some guys that, like, with Matisse and um, Forkon together, like, you can kind of get close enough to their number. Maybe you have to add an, another, like, minimum guy in. Um, just, I'll just, just give me your first reaction. So, like, KCP. Love KCP. Would okay. be perfect. Perfect yeah, starting. I would, love, I, I would love him. I, I wanted him at the deadline, but I don't. Yeah. I don't think Washington's going to move off him. But I think it's a possibility. The only untouchables there I've heard are Kuzma, and then if Beal wants to come back, Beal. Yeah, KCP would be like. I mean, there's better players, but like within the realm of sort of like realistic and like kind of his ability, I, I think he would actually be a great three for us if if we. Could he would get be him. an amazing fifth starter. Um. Okay. Uh, Jordan Clarkson. I'm not a big Jordan Clarkson guy anymore. I'm going to be honest. I think that I've I started to value defense more because of this playoffs and last playoffs, where I think that if you have a guy who's totally a zero on defense, that he needs to be amazing offensively to justify. He's so inefficient. He's, he's inefficient offensively too. That's exactly. And like, look, he can shot create a little bit, and like, he's a heat check guy. Like, he's going to have upside. But I'd rather I'd rather just spend it on guys who aren't like on ball guys that don't play defense at all. All right, Josh Hart. Love Josh Hart. I don't think he's going to be gettable because you want to, you want me to you want me to tell you why? Because I think Portland knows they fucked up that CJ McCollum trade so badly that the optics of turning around and trading the one guy that they got from that trade would be horrendous. So I would love Josh Hart, but I just I don't see that as as realistic. Ubre. Uh, Ubre. I don't know. Like Ubre is the only. He's the only player that never worked on the Warriors. Like him and D'Angelo Russell are the only two guys I could think that never worked in that system. And I'm like, if you want guys who are going to play like team ball or whatever, like he would still be our best bench player. Right. But like, like he's athletic enough and like he's hot. So like at least he has that going for him. But I, I'm 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 not a big Ubre guy. But like, if we're talking moving Thibel and Corkmoss, I'd entertain it. Okay. Um, I got like three or four more. This is I I know your answer to this already, but I'm gonna ask it. Josh Richardson. I don't yeah, I just what a perfect reaction. I just hate him watching him play basketball. Like I, I actually don't think he's as bad as he was 
in that Mavericks and Sixers year. I think he was better with yeah. the Spurs and the Celtics and the Heat. But yeah. like, I just would never ever want to watch Josh Richardson play basketball again. Agreed. We didn't mention Jeremy Lamb as a free agent, but he's a free agent. Yeah. He's kind of yeah. more theoretical. He's got nice yeah. size, but he doesn't really shoot it that well. I used to um, like Jeremy Lamb, but I, after the injury, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical on that. The one guy we haven't brought up yet, which is shocking to me, and I'm sure you're going to bring him up soon, is Will Barton. And I don't think we have the money to get there now. Because he's, yeah, he's like he's just above like where KCP is, where it would get like real hard. Like you're look, you would be looking at like Springer, you'd be looking at like Springer, Matisse, and Furkan, and obviously yeah. like maybe picks on that. I, I mean, you know how I feel about Will Barton. Yeah, like. Barton's good. Barton's good, but he's also, like, from what I've heard from people in Denver, like, the defense has really fell off a cliff, and that and that concerns me. But but yeah, otherwise, I, his, I, I, yeah, go ahead. I just, I, I like him. Like, I think he's, I good. like, I think he's kind of in that Josh Richardson thing where, like, maybe if he was on my team, I would hate He'd him. Drive you nuts. Yeah. Yeah. But, but when he has games where I'm like, I can, I can see the appeal for sure. No chance the Suns would move Crowder, is there? I think there is a chance. I actually, like, I brought this up last week, and I think that there's a good chance they do. Because if you think about their cap situation, it depends what they do with Aiton, really, because, like, we talked about it at the deadline, and, like, more reports are coming out now. Like, they almost moved Aiton at the deadline. And I remember that. we talked about it on the podcast and I was like, they were, they were trying to get like a small ball five option who whatever was cheaper and blah, blah, blah. And like, ultimately that didn't work out. And now Aiton wants out. So like maybe if they dump Aiton, they don't get any money back. That's a situation where they're like, all right, we're just going to hold on to Crowder for another year. But if they have to get back money and then they have to extend Cam Johnson and they have Michael Bridges. And by the way, they have Sarich who's going to be unmovable and they have, Shamit, who's going to be unmovable because those guys are not good enough. I mean, Sarge coming off the ACL, who knows what he's going to be. And then you have Shamit, who's just not worth $8 million a year. Like campaign just flamed out. He's making $6 million a year. That's a guy that I would actually take a shot on. If, if they did a fire sale, the two guys I would take a shot on from them would be campaign and Jay Crowder. And I know I just said that same thing about Jordan Clarkson that I'm going to say about campaign. But the difference to me is that campaign has already been on a finals team. And also on top of that, he only makes $6 million a year. Like they're right. both worth those kind of shots. And I think Jay Crowder would be the perfect for, even if you kept Tobias and you slid Tobias to the three sometimes, like I would love to have Jay Crowder. All right. I have two more. I'm going to end on the guy who <clears throat> is kind of my sneaky, like I would love to have. Um, are you interested in a Alec Burks reunion? No. <laughs> okay. Nope. All right. So this is like my sneaky, like I actually think would secretly be like a perfect three for us um, is Royce O'Neal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, and, and I think, he's I think he might be theoretically good, but I, I, I do like some of Royce O'Neal's team. So here, here's where I think, I think I know Daryl well, well, I don't know him well enough, but I've, I've seen enough of his moves to know what I think it, is interesting to him. He is signed for not only next season, but the season after he's at like 9 million and like 9.5 million. And I think he has said in the past that like, it's worth, he's, he has said in the past, it's worth overpaying for good contracts. And not that that's like a great contract, but like to have the two years kind of cost certainty at at a position, like he can 100% defend the three. Like I was looking at a couple things where it's like, his work against Butler, his work against some wings. And I think where Utah gets in trouble is <clears throat> like, I mean, they do have Gobert. 
it seems like they're so dependent on him as like their yeah. only positive defender that like like Mitchell's so bad defensively and like yeah. uh, Boyan's so bad defensively that I think like his ability is like he's good enough defensively, but he's not great. And so yeah. I think here again, I think Embiid's a better defender than Gobert. Gobert gets more credit, but I feel like Maxi tries hard enough. If Tobias is still here, he tries hard enough that I think cohesively it would be like we would be okay. We yeah, would be I, okay. I, think he, I think he's like Danny. Like you want to yeah. like if you were like, hey Danny, you've got Trey Young tonight, we'd be like we're fucked. But if it's yeah. like yeah. hey, it's a, it's a switch situation, you're not going to be like, oh no, Royce O'Neal's on like Jalen Brown yeah. for a possession. Be You'd be like, yeah, and and he'll shoot it. He'll shoot. He'll shoot volume threes, and he's recently like been pretty good at it. Yeah. Okay, so I I agree with that one. There are a few guys I agreed with there. The Alec Burks thing, I just like I'm I don't want to do reclamation project or I'm sorry, I don't want to do reunions with anyone unless I know their plug and play and like it's a ten million dollar Shake Millen. Exactly. And like I liked Alec Burks when he was with us, but he was also making the minimum and like I wouldn't pay that much for him. Okay, so just a few guys that I want to run down here before you get out of here. So from once again another weird vibes guy. I wouldn't get him, but I like the talent. Is Dennis Schroeder? If you can get him to be your sixth man, I just think the vibes are too weird with him. But like from a talent perspective, like I don't know. Maybe the Celtics were onto something in the Lakers when they were like, this guy just can't be a part of a winning team. But like the he's good enough as a driver, good free throw shooter, can can get to the line some, can run a little bit of offense. He's a good good enough defender, pretty athletic, whatever. Um, and then running down just these few names, I already said Dante DiVincenzo, Patty Mills. I don't like as a Seth replacement, like, I don't think Patty's going to come here after the Harden thing, but I do think that like it, he is a free agent and like, it's worth exploring. I've always liked Patty Mills. Uh, Bruce Brown, another net. We'll see. I think he's restricted free agent. He but. is. And they, and they have his rights. I was, he would be a great one. I just, I don't hey. think, I think they'll match. Yeah. Same here. Um, and then, uh, Aaron Holiday, just as like kind of like a flyer guy, whatever. I'm not a big fan of his, but whatever. Um, and then Gary Payton the third and J- Javon Carter were the last two. That if we're talking about like we just need guys that will play defense and like lock up other dudes, those are two guys that I thought of. Although offensively, I'm not sure that they're good enough, and they might be merchants of the systems that they were playing in recently. So Th- those are good names. The only other name I thought of, and, and it really wouldn't fit for like what we're talking about, but it's just kind of following Daryl's penchant for like high, like um, kind of profile, you know, guys that flamed out and then kind of come back. Like, what about Jarrett Culver as like if they got on the minimum just to like come here, bomb threes. Let's see if you have anything like worth. I mean, wasn't he like the number three or four pick in the, he's like, he's going to be a full free agent. this He was the sixth pick in the draft. I think he's legitimately not an NBA player though. Like every time I've ever watched him, wait, once again, if Daryl gets him for nothing, like, I mean, like this is what I wanted him to do with Malik Monk last off season. Like, this is what I want him to do. Like I want him to start doing those kind of deals because it's like, Hey man, if he sucks, he's on the minimum. We can trade him at the deadline. Like, who what about Monk? You didn't even bring you didn't bring up Monk this time around. I, I didn't think. bring up Monk. I would love Monk, but like, are we gonna pay money to once again? Offensively, I think that he's shown that he can play, but like, he's too inconsistent with the Dude, shot. It's the, de- it's the defense, man. And like, I, I just want to circle back to this before we finish. So, like, we were talking about the four finalists, like. So you've got Golden State that's just got mm-hmm. obviously great top-end talent, but insane continuity, and then obviously Doug Jordan Poole, like, 
out of nothing. You have Dallas, which like probably did what like or is doing what um, the Sixers probably should have done with Embiid, which is like they perfectly surrounded Luca. Like until they can get a second star, which I think most teams would be like, well, we want two stars. But yeah. until you get to that point, instead of like rushing to find an imperfect fit, which they kind of did with Porzingis, and they got out of it, they like Claver, like Dorian Finney-Smith, like they have so many guys that are just they're perfect playoff players that go with a superstar. I don't know if they can beat Golden State, but like that's why they are where they are because they took their star and they surrounded them perfectly. I think they they can beat Golden State, by the way. I do. You think they can? Yeah. I would love that. I think think Luka's that good. They're they're losing by 12 right now. I just looked it up, but I think that they can compete. Then you've got Boston, who's got a ton of continuity. I mean, if you kind of count Horford, like, you know, coming back there, Marcus, like, Tons of continuity, and then made one deal for Derek White, who's like an okay guy. But then all of a sudden, it's like boom, everything fits. Yep. And then, um, and then the Heat, who you know, kind of pit like patch it more together, and like you know, Lowry's kind of in and out, but like they've got a system, right? And it's just like you've got to. That's why, like, I just don't love this idea of like all in for like Beal if it means like burning burning it down. The Levine thing. If you, I think there's a way to maneuver it where, like, you basically do Levine for Tobias, and you still sort of leave yourself like some uh, MLE room, and like maybe you get Kenrich in that deal from OKC, and it's like, oh, well, we kind of have some stuff, and now we're like explosive, yeah, offensively, and and now we really can just focus on like just give me the defense guys, like yeah, I, think, got- I honestly think that's that's a great point. I think that, but I also think that like this is one area where Maury might be a little bit short-sighted. Like he sees the star and yeah. he's like big name, like, like unstoppable offense potential. Like, but all of these teams that are left and all of the teams from the past few years have just made a lot of sense outside of their top talent. And like the Sixers just have never made sense during even, even the Butler year. Like we can reminisce all we want about the Butler year. That team made no fucking sense, dude. It was thrown together last second and they, they just had enough talent to get them by. But like the Sixers have never had a team. Honestly, the team that made the most sense during the Joel Embiid era was either the 17, 18 team or last year's team. And they just didn't have enough like playoff talent to make it matter. Yeah, I agree. And, and, I think people, I think people underrate depth. You need depth for a couple of reasons. One, to get through the season and keep guys healthy. Which you know, again, Joel was help. Like it would be a far different playoffs. I truly believe this. If Joel doesn't break his thumb and break his face, I, I do think we probably play in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think we probably lose in six, but it's a competitive six. Right. So, so. So you need depth to get through the regular season. Then you still need seven guys. You have to have seven guys to get through the playoffs that you can count on night in and night out, not only because people get in foul trouble, people get nicked out, but sometimes you have to play a different way. And that's like the thing with – that's the Doc thing that I come back to is like I don't think Doc is capable of doing that. I don't think he's capable of saying if Embiid were to foul out, or get in foul trouble, or be out for a game. This is how we'll play. Yeah, because we use Paul Reed. We'll, we'll play five out, and we'll switch everything on defensively, and we'll be. We'll, they they don't do it. So it's like Embiid goes out, and the team's like we don't. It looks like they never played basketball before. <laughs> it's so true. It's and always it's been like, a problem too. Even Chris Reddit was a problem. You have to figure out a way, and see, right, and then and then they became like too dependent on Harden, and it's like guys like. 
other teams don't seem to have that problem to my eye. Like the, the really good teams, like obviously you take Luca out, but like even the Mavericks, like I've seen Luca miss a game and the Mavericks all like, they won two like, games against the Jazz. Uh, okay, they won two games against the Jazz. Giannis got hurt in the playoffs last year, and the Milwaukee Bucks yes. won the Eastern Conference Finals. That's, that's my Alvin. point. That's my point. And it's like, you know Embiid's going to miss 15 to 20 games in the regular season, most likely. You know, this year was an anomaly. Hopefully he's healthy for the playoffs. If you're going to keep hard and healthy, he's going to miss a dozen games. Like, you just have to learn how to be like, hey, if they take this away – or we don't have this. Daryl's right. You're not going to win the series, maybe, but though these teams proved you could. But you have to be able to at least win a game. There's no reason we couldn't have gone down to Miami and gotten a 1-1 split, come back to Philly. They didn't win those two good in the first two games. Win win those two games, and now all of a sudden it's 3-2 <laughs> or 3-1 our, our side, and it's like, oh, shit. Like that's how different the series would have been. It, that that was the disappointing thing, and to me, that was the thing for me with Doc, where it's just like it's this isn't the guy, and I, yeah. I'm still not convinced he's back next year. I'm well, still Spike, not. Spike Spike has been preaching that apparently. I don't. No offense to any other podcast. I don't listen to other Sixers podcasts because I don't want to steal their takes. But like from what I've been told, Spike is convinced that Doc I've is gone. And if if Spike's saying that, that's there's some smoke there. Like Spike, Spike did it with the Harden thing. His, his, his reasoning, his reasoning is right because Doc does have a place in the league in terms of I think he's seen very favorably, and I think I don't think they can just fire him. So perfect analogy, perfect analogy. Someone came up with on Twitter the other day. He's Demar Derozan as a coach, yeah. amazing floor raiser who's going to get you forty yeah. wins if you're on a decent team. And he's going to be great up until you, when you need him in the biggest moments of the playoffs. And he's always going to have a disadvantage when he goes up against other coaches, DeMar against other stars. Like it was the per- Paul, uh, Paul Hudley, I think, or Paul, someone from Twitter said that. And I was like, that's the perfect analogy. Like he has the clout, he has the recognition, but like at the biggest moments, he's always going to fail you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think Spike's on, he's right about that part in the sense that like, I don't think they can just, fire him. I think there has to be like a landing spot or something where it's like, you know, the, the Lakers open up as a destination and maybe there's like a second round pick that gets conveyed or a fake second where it's like, you know, I, I just don't, I think they are going to part ways. I just think they have to do it in a certain way, like to, to appease doc. And, you know, I just, I think it's just like, it sucks, but it's like the nature of the business. It's, you know, it's, you know, the, the Sixers have made many mistakes when it comes to like this type of stuff, like relationships in the NBA. And I think they're probably proceed. Daryl probably understands how you need to move forward in a situation like this. So, yep, I agree. And I also think the fact that the Lakers have not announced who their head coach is yet. And the fact that Will Weaver, who was connected to Maury, big analytics guy, big load management guy, been told by Steven Silas, the coach of the Rockets, said he's like a basketball genius. Um, Mike D'Antoni all of a sudden isn't the front runner for the Hornets job. Like there's a lot going mm. on here. And maybe by tomorrow, when I release this episode, all of that <laughs> stuff will be gone. Yeah. But I do think that the smoke that is coming from all directions leads to potentially Doc Rivers becoming the head coach of the Lakers and then the Sixers replacing him with D'Antoni or Sam Cassell or Will Weaver or one of those guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm less pumped about uh, D'Antoni just because I, I, I would love some fresh – I would love to just try Thanks. something different. I think you need – I think this team needs just like, – I think Cassell would, Cassell would qualify for me. Like I, I just yeah. think they need 
a guy who's kind of kind of getting his first shot and is going to have a little fire in his belly. Um, I think it would be helpful for them. Cool. All right. Before we get out of here, there were two names that we didn't bring up. Marcus Morris was one name that I think that I might have in passing said we can't really get to that number, uh, but I would like to get him. And then another guy that's a total long shot that uh, two guys, Najee Marshall, who fell out of the rotation with the uh, Pelicans. He's on a veterans minimum deal. And Davion Reed, who was a fan favorite of Nuggets fans that played really well when he showed this year, he's like 25. They're both kind of in the similar mold of player, but just look out for those guys. But I needed to get those in for the end <laughs> because this is our our long one. And hopefully next time yeah. uh, you're back on, we've kind of figured this thing out. <laughs> It'll be interesting. I told you, I was like, you know, I, I have a sense this could almost be like a two-parter. I think, you know, hopefully people will enjoy the uh, the hour and 40 we're at now. But yeah. no, I mean, I always appreciate you. Thank you for the platform. Um, you're doing a really awesome job, man. I really think you're, you found a place in Sixers Twitter that's really unique. And I, well, I thanks, think I, I appreciate great. you coming on because people are constantly DMing me and tweeting at me like, <laughs> when is Marty coming back on? And I was like, well, come I pre- on. Come I appreciate on. that, man. I appreciate busy that. man. We, we save <laughs> we, we don't podcast all the time, but when we do, it's, it, it's, a, it's a powerful punch. So That means a lot, man. Thank you. <laughs> Peace.